Well, what a privilege. We've um, been here for a few days. We arrived on uh, Wednesday and uh, we've been at the uh, Fringe Festival. We've seen nine shows. We saw nine shows in, in 40 hours. Uh, so the temptation just to take suggestions from the congregation and improvise a sermon in song, <laughs> in Japanese, whilst Gwen dances an interpretive dance is huge. But uh, we will try and resist that temptation uh, and actually stick to the, to the Word of God. As Luke says, uh, Gwen and I lead the church in East Grinstead, Jubilee, East Grinstead. We moved there in 2002 from Bedford where I grew up and where I got saved and called to leadership and married when we had our children. We have two children, uh, 18 and 21, uh, Beth and Toby. And uh, they are currently, I would imagine, packing up tents uh, at New Day and heading back to East Grinstead. East Grinstead is, is much like Edinburgh, really, uh, a cultural centre. Um, we also have an arts festival um, which runs for a number of weeks with an average audience of three. Um, but it's, it's a little county town where God is doing big things. And I want to talk this morning about God's big picture through this year in Jubilee. We've been looking at God's big picture. We've been focusing on different characters from the Old Testament. If you've got a Bible with you, you can look up 2 Chronicles chapter 34. I don't know when you were last in 2 Chronicles, but 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at a young man called Josiah. Do we have any Josiahs in the house? Is there a Josiah here? Okay, well Josiah's a great name. And um, and we're going to look at Josiah. I'm going to look at 2 Chronicles, chapter 34 and chapter 35. So you can have it open, um, you, can, you can pick a mix. We're going to look at different aspects of Josiah's life. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Josiah and try and draw out some principles that will help us in what God has called us to do. I know you're in the midst of a series on wisdom. And those of you who are regulars here at King's, you're working through some of the Proverbs, great Proverbs helpfully has 31 chapters, so you can read a chapter a night pretty much every month and read the whole book in 12 months and uh, 12 times. So uh, you're looking at wisdom at the moment, but if you ask yourself the question, why? Why are you looking at wisdom? Why does it matter if you are wise or not? Because God loves you because he loves you because he loves you. You're a Christian not because one day you thought, I think I'll go on an Alpha course, and you listened to the talks, or you had a great friend who, who lived a good life, and you thought, I want to live a good life, and you discovered they were a Christian. You're not a Christian because someone explained Christianity to you. You're not a Christian because you put your hand up at a meeting. You're not a Christian because you ran to the front at New Day, or if you're old enough, Stonely, or if you're even older, Dales, or Keswick, or whatever it was. You're not a Christian because of something you did. You're a Christian because of the grace of God. Because God so loved you that he gave his son for you. You're a Christian because before you were even born, God knew you by name. And God wanted you as part of his people, as part of his family. You are a Christian because God is a loving father who delights to bring children into his family. That's why you're a Christian. So why grow in wisdom? Well, because God has a plan 
Edinburgh is an amazing city. And I can tell just from the few minutes we've been with you, this is an amazing church. You clearly love God. I mean, you've turned up on a Sunday morning when there are any number of shows you could be at. <laughs> and you've pitched up. You're a great church. But God has a great plan for you to transform the city and the nation and the world in which you live. You see, we don't grow in wisdom. We don't look at a, a Josiah and try and learn things from him so that God loves us more. God loves us as much as we have ever been loved. God cannot love us any more than he does now. His grace is sufficient. His grace is enough. Whatever you've been up to this week, good or possibly bad, God loves you because he loves you. But we press in to the wisdom of God. We press in to principles of the word of God. We press into the spirit of God. We press into the very grace of God because we live in a world that is desperate for the love and the power and the kingdom of God. Amen? The people you live next door to, the people you're at college with, the people you work with, the people you meet at the school gate, the people you stand at the bus stop with, many of them are just desperate for the kingdom of God, for a breakout of the kingdom of God. And therefore we want to grow, don't we? We want to grow in wisdom, we want to grow in knowledge, we want to grow in sensitivity, we want to grow in power. Do you want to grow in power? Not so that God loves us more, but so that the love of God has more impact in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So we don't step out of grace. When we start looking at principles of growth or, or disciplines that we might want to grab hold of, we're not stepping out of grace, rather we're stepping more into the centre of grace. That grace might abound all the more in our lives. And so we come to Josiah. 2 Chronicles 34, verse 1 says this, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight. Any eight-year-olds still in the room? Eight years old. And he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. And this is the key. If you want to learn a verse this week, learn this one. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. It says of Josiah, in his whole life, from this moment on, he did not turn to the right or the left. What is the writer saying to us in that? Well, it's a Hebrew phrase which basically means he was holy. He walked in the purposes of God. Remember Enoch, it says he walked with God, and then he was not. It's like Josiah. He walked with God. Genesis 3 says God walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. Just walked with God. They didn't need to turn to the right or the left. When and I are great walkers, we love walking, we're constantly studying our maps and our little GPS and working out, should we going right or should we going left? But in Genesis, they didn't need to do that. They didn't need any direction. They just walked with God. They went where God was going. They didn't need to know good or evil, they walked with God. Josiah was like that, he walked through his life. Do you want to be somebody who walks through your life, just does what God does? Do you want to be someone like that? Do you want your days to be marked out? 
get to the end of the day, you lie down, put your hand on the pillow. You go, what a day, Lord. I never had to choose to go right or left. I just walked with you. Did what you told me to do. Loved here, blessed there, gave there, healed there, listened there. It's a good one to do. Josiah was like that. He walked. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So was that easy for Josiah to do? Was he born in one of those great moments of history where everything was going well? Some people seem like that, don't they? They just go through life and just seem to go well for them. So was Josiah one of those people? Well, not so much, to be honest. Josiah had a a dodgy history. He had a good great-grandfather. His great-grandfather was Hezekiah. Some of you have heard of Hezekiah. He was a good king. He did pretty well. He had a son, Manasseh. Manasseh reigned for 55 years and basically he was pretty bad. Very bad. As kings of Judah went, he was not a good one. (laughs) He worshipped other gods, had many wives, sacrificed to other gods, killed the odd child. Not great as a grandfather He had a son, Ammon, Josiah's father. Ammon only reigned for two years. Ammon was so bad that an evil people killed him. He was that bad. Even bad people thought, you're too bad to live. It wasn't the good people. The Bible says it wasn't the good people who killed him. It wasn't a good people group who got together. He's really bad, isn't he? Let's kill him. No, a group of bad people got together and thought, he is so bad, we're going to kill him. And they made his son, Josiah, king at eight years old. Do you think they did that for Josiah's benefit? I think not. They thought, let's get rid of the old man and then we can manipulate the son. Yeah, he'll be a king, he's in the line of David, he carries the anointing that we know was promised. But we'll be able to manipulate him. Josiah became a king at a very bad time. The nation of Israel that had been so glorious in the time of David was now a tiny shell of what it had been. Twelve tribes had become two. One nation had become two. The northern state of Israel had been utterly destroyed by the Assyrians a hundred years previously. Josiah inherits this little nation which is not following God, appointed by some bad men who killed his bad father so that he would do what they asked him to do. This was not a good time. Things were not falling well for him. And yet we hear of him that this is what he did. He became king at eight. He sought the Lord at 16. At 20, he destroyed all the altars and Asherah poles and the high places and re-established worship of the one true God. At 26 years old, he restored the temple of Solomon. In that restoration, he finds the book of the law and leads the people back to true worship and the festival of the Passover and righteousness in the nation for the rest of his reign. That's quite impressive, isn't it? I would settle for that sort of life. I would settle for that sort of impact in my little sphere of influence in East Grinstead and 
beyond. So I want to look at Josiah and secure in the love and grace of God, I want to ask of Josiah, what did he do that I might do? And maybe some of those principles will help you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you we're here today because of your grace and your sovereignty. And we ask, Lord, right now, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Why don't you lift your hands where you are? Lord, just fill us afresh right now. We thank you for your presence that you promised to us when we gather. We thank you for your healing touch. Just pray for healing right now across the room. If you're struggling health-wise, just pray for healing. Just fill us afresh, Lord. we look at your word, as we try and draw principles from your word, don't let us trip into working harder. Don't let us trip into religious practice, but let us abound in your grace and your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you ask God to speak to you right now where you are? Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what principles can we grab hold of? Well, the first one is this. I think the first principle we can grab hold of, Josiah does not allow his past to shape his present or his future. We live in the counselling age. Have you noticed that? We live in the age of therapy and closure. I've had some counselling in my time. That probably doesn't surprise you. And um, you know, I had Luke in my youth group. <laughs> That's the only one. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> right. Unless anybody else has a spare room during the festival. <laughs> so, and and counselling can be very, very helpful. I, I found it very helpful for myself. And, uh, but the, the danger is in the age we live in, that we are constantly looking over our shoulder. We're constantly looking at the past. And we are allowing ourselves to be shaped now by what happened in our past. So I have a, 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 an interesting, vaguely interesting past. I, I, was, um, I was born dead. Um, and I was born after uh, 10 months, one week in the womb which I think is a record. So I was due on the 28th of January in 1968. I know, you can't believe I was born that long ago. But uh, the 28th of January, 1968, when I was supposed to be born, I was born on the 2nd of March. That's impressive, isn't it? I mean, I don't think they'd leave them in. Do they leave them in? Doctors, they don't leave them in that long now, do they? Um, I was also born at home. I was born in a little, a little cottage on the uh, Welsh borders, just the English side of the Welsh uh, borders, and uh, I was born start to finish from first contraction to out I came in an hour and five minutes, which again is pretty quick, um, without medical help, or my mother says any painkillers of any sort, and I came out very blue, I came out feet first and blue and dead. And um, literally as I was born, the doctor arrived and, and breathed life into me. I've always loved that verse in Genesis where it says God formed man out of the clay and breathed life, the ruach, the spirit of God. So I, I was 
I was born, but I was not born, and then I was born. Life came. Five, ten minutes in, life came. And uh, I had numbers of complications uh, from that, so I, I had lots of uh, issues with um, my breathing and how I, uh, how I speak. And so I didn't speak properly until I was eight years old. And I have been making up for it ever since. <laughs> okay. Um, but, and so as you can imagine, as, as when I started school, I, I was very, very hard to understand because my, uh, the insides of my mouth are not formed properly and, and my jaw, my front top jaw is ahead of my... It's just going to sound great on the podcast. <laughs> How I thought. And, and, and when you are at school, <laughs> look a bit strange. Children are not very nice to you. That was tough. And in and out of hospital. And my parents struggled with me being in and out of hospital and that you know, slowly led to the breakdown of their relationship and, and it, was, it was messy. And there is a huge temptation when you have a messy past to allow yourself a messy present because of that past. And Josiah did not allow that. Josiah did not allow his past to limit his effectiveness for God in the present and the future. It can be very helpful and is often helpful to deal with our past. That's why I had some counselling. So examine the past under the grace of God to allow the grace and the love of God into that past to forgive some people and to move on is very effective. But once you've done that, you must move on. You must move on. It won't be good enough, friends, when God looks at us and says, what did you do with the gospel and the talent that I gave you to say to God, did you not look at my past? Did you not look at my upbringing? Did you not see the parents you gave me, Lord? Could you have done anything with parents like that? It won't wash. Josiah's parenting, not strong. Okay? Not strong. Probably not lots of words of affirmation and encouragement. Well, I'd love to press into things of God, but I wasn't encouraged as a child. I don't think we can get away with that anymore. Doesn't mean it didn't hurt. Doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Doesn't mean we don't need to deal with it, but we need to move on from it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not sure that Ammon, Josiah's father, was a great encourager. I don't think it was bedtime stories and affirmation and well done. I don't think he got that. But he pressed into what God had for him. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get hamstrung by the, the bad. What did he do? It says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. He didn't allow himself to get stuck in the past. What he did was he sought God. He sought God for himself. 
He didn't just go, oh, I'm part of the people of God, so therefore I'm sorted. He didn't say, oh, well, I've grown up in a church, therefore I'm sorted. No, he sought God for himself. What do you like at doing that? What do you like at seeking God for yourself? Now, podcasts are great. Conferences are great. It's great to be inspired by outstanding preachers. It's even better to seek God for yourself. What does Jesus say? He just says, go into a room, close the door. Seek your heavenly Father. We want to press into all that God has for us, whether it's in Edinburgh or Geneva or Hong Kong. We need to seek God for ourselves. We need to find out about God for ourselves. We need to find the grace of God for ourselves, the power of God for ourselves. I love hearing stories of powerful breakthrough, don't you? I love hearing stories of healing. I love hearing stories of the people who take a risk for God. I love those stories. You know, they're in Sainsbury's or, or wherever and they, thought, they felt they had a word for the person at the checkout and they prayed for them and the person at the checkout was just blown away by the power of God and the tannoy rings out. If you want to hear, hear about the power of God, go to checkout 12 right now. And they're great stories. When we get to glory, God won't ask us about the stories we know. He'll ask us about the stories we were in. When we sought God, when we stood at the checkout or the bus queue or the office or the college or wherever we are, when we sought God, when we stood down and thought, said to God, what do you want to do right now, right here with me? Josiah did that. I'm going to get stuck in the past. says, right now, God, what do you want me to do? doesn't accept or reject someone else's view of God. doesn't go with his parents, his friends, his media, or the education he found. No, he sought God for himself. Next thing he does, he is ruthless with sin. Absolutely ruthless with sin. That's what it says. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baal were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. Then he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. That's quite a tour. He was ruthless with sin. Now he showed some wisdom. He says he did this in the 12th year of his reign. Why is that significant? Well, he becomes king at eight. Now, you might think if you have an eight-year-old, they can feel like they have all the power. But actually, they don't. And an eight-year-old Josiah did not have a lot of power. So he waits. He seeks God at 16. But even at 16, he has the wisdom, having sought God, to wait for his moment. You see, at 20, a Jewish boy became a fighting man. 
We know that from Scripture. We know from when the story of the Israelites in the wilderness, when they sinned, you know, they went and they sent the spies into the land, and the spies came back and said, it's really good, but we'll get crushed. And they believed those spies, and so they didn't go, and God judges them. And who dies? Every man over 20. Because at 20, there was responsibility. If you were 19 years and 364 days on that day, whoo, that's the grace of God. If you're still nursing a hangover from your 20th birthday the day before, not so good. 20 was what mattered. Josiah waits, but as soon as he is able, he is ruthless with sin. He deals with sin. He deals with the sin that he is responsible for. He's king. He is king over the nation of Judah. And that little summary that we're given in Chronicles is basically a summary of all the places in Judah that needed dealing with. Josiah takes responsibility for his sin and is ruthless with the sin that he is responsible for. Now, I don't know about you, I am brilliant at being ruthless with your sin. If you want me to just expose sin in your life and tell you what you need to do with deal with it, I'm your man. And we're all good at that, actually. Especially when we're driving. I can spot the sins of other drivers in a moment. Just brilliant. Or parenting. Other parents, oh, I I wouldn't do it like that. (laughs) Or how people spend their money. Oh, I'm not sure I'd have spent my money in that way. (laughs) Or how they speak. That was a bit harsh. (laughs) That wasn't very unforgiving. Oh, I sense a little bit of bitterness. (laughs) I'm so in tune with what God is saying about your sin. I mean, we can start now if you want. We can just stand you up one by one. Start here. No. There was genuine fear. No, I'm fine. I'm just good at it. Judgment. Oh. Just flows out of me. And Josiah could have gone, look at the mess in this nation. What was my father doing? Look at all these high places. Look at the sin I can see in my city. They're really bad. And for centuries the church has been brilliant at that. Let's get in our holy huddle and point out the sins of the world around us. That's what can characterise the church. And to be ruthless with our sin. See, the only sin I will give account for, unfortunately, is mine. The only life I'll actually give full account for is mine. Yes, leaders give account, but they give account for how they lead, not how you followed. Okay? You'll give account for that. I have to give account for my sin. What about grace, you say? Surely it's all about grace, Simon. Yeah. 
It's just a matter of when you apply grace. Do you realise that? You see, you can either apply grace in the way that many of us apply, apply grace. Maybe, I mean, obviously this is not going to apply to most of you, but for the one or two that it, it does, I hope this is helpful. Okay? You're wandering through life as a Christian and you do something wrong. Okay? It, just imagine with me, if you can, if you have, don't have any experience of this. You know, you could have been generous and you're not, or you could have been encouraging and you're not, or you could have not said this, but you did. That kind of stuff. Yeah? And, and you want to see life, and that happens. And that's called sin, friends. Okay? Right? Not doing what God would have you do, or doing something God would not have you do. That's what the Bible calls sin. So you sin. You want to see life, and you sin. And you have a couple of days when you're fine and then something unfortunate happens, like a community group or a worship meeting or a prayer meeting or just you open your Bible and you suddenly go, ah, I've sinned. I'm down the track and I've sinned. I go, oh, praise God. The grace of God. Lord, I'm sorry. I know you are. I'm sorry I've done it again. I know you are. You know, is there anything I can do? Yes, there is. Can I be forgiven? Yes, you can. Thank you, Lord. And you receive forgiveness. Isn't that great? That's amazing. You apply grace to your sin. There is an option. Okay? There is the grace to say no to sin. You still apply grace, but just rather than applying it down here, mixing in with all that guilt and any other damage you've done while you've felt guilty, oh, I've sinned once, I might as well do it again, you know, that sort of stuff. You apply it up front. I'm a child of God. I think I might sin. Why would I want to do that? How do, how do I not sin? I really want to sin. Lord, I really want to sin. Ah, grace. <laughs> okay, I'll take it now. Rather than taking it down there, I'll take it now. I'll receive the grace of God now. And I'll go around it. Oh, thanks, Lord. We have to apply grace somewhere, friends. It's up to you where you apply it. Josiah was ruthless with sin. He applied grace up front. Let's get this stuff out of the way. Let's not get some of it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. I love the detail. He ground the idols to dust. He wanted there to be no chance of being caught out by that sin again. It's not just breaking into seven pieces. It'll just become a jigsaw. Let's grind it into dust. Let's deal with it. God loves us because he loves us. But if we want to press into all that he has for us, friends, sometimes we need to be ruthless with our sin. We need to be ruthless with our imperfection. Not outside of grace. We don't step out of grace, deal with sin. Oh, now God can love me. Let's get back into grace. It's not how it works. In grace, we say no to sin doesn't get stuck in the past, presses into God, ruthless with sin. Fourth one, he invests in worship. In the 18th year of Desire's reign, he's now 26, he purifies the land and the temple. He sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah and Masaiah, and the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Jehoaz, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. To repair the temple of the Lord his God. See, Solomon, his great, 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 great grandfather, had built a temple. 
It was a glory of the world. The nations came. But since the reign of Solomon and the breakdown of the nation into two nations, the temple had just got underused, abused and run down. And having dealt with sin, having been ruthless with false worship, Josiah invests in true worship. You see, Josiah knew this. We are created for worship. Put your hand up if you're a worshipper. You are. Okay. We are created to worship. When life was breathed into me on that day, on the 2nd of March, suddenly I had the capacity to worship. We are hardwired to worship. Okay. That's why we all have smartphones. Because we're hardwired to look at things and go, this is amazing! So when someone creates something vaguely amazing, we go, wow! We can't take our eyes off it. We're created for awe and wonder. We're created to go, wow. Our issue, friends, is not that we're not worshippers. Our issue is we worship the wrong stuff. Our issue is that iPhones make us go, wow. Or great tries, or great goals make us go, wow. Or great shows make us go, wow. Or great fashion makes us go, wow. Or great art makes us go, wow. There's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves. They're just not meant to be the wowest thing. It's a Hebrew term. (laughs) God is the wowest. We're meant to go look at God and go, wow. And the stuff God makes is amazing. And the people God makes who make amazing stuff is amazing. But they're only amazing because you look at them and go, wow. That's amazing. We saw some amazing shows. Okay? Go and see some of these shows. They're incredible, incredibly creative people. You know, make up a musical, you know, on the spot. That is incredible. What's more incredible is that God made those people. Everything going on in their brains. How that really works. Some of you are clever. You know how some of it really works. I've got no idea. But God thought it out in the first place. We discover, I mean, science is amazing, isn't it? We discover how something works. But how more amazing that God went, this is how it's going to work. That's incredible. There wasn't a brain, and God went, I'm going to make a brain. (laughs) And it'll work like this. That's just, I mean, wow. The reason we get caught up in sin is we don't do enough wow. We don't do enough worship. Josiah realised that. He thought, if I'm going to take down all these other places of worship, there's going to be all this worship in the people. And they've been running to this high place and that high place. <coughs> they need to run to the temple. They need to start singing again, let us go up to the house of our God. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. 
It's very hard to avoid sin if you're not worshipping God. Have you noticed that? And it's equally very hard to step into sin, sin if you are worshipping God. Press into worship. Be a worshipper. Be as good a worshipper as you possibly can be. Like, oh, I'm not a singer. Doesn't matter. I'm not a dancer. That doesn't matter. I don't really like music. No, that doesn't matter. Okay? But be a worshipper. Stretch yourself in worship. Press into worship. Excuse me. <coughs> Some water just there, Luke. We'll do one more. Don't get stuck in the past. Seek God for yourself. Be ruthless with sin. Go for worship. Final one. We've got more points. We'll finish with this. Never forget the grace of God. Never forget the grace of God. So what Josiah does is he's ruthless with sin. He re-establishes the temple. <coughs> then he celebrates the Passover. He celebrates the Passover. It says in Chronicles they had never celebrated the Passover as they did under the reign of Josiah. Why is that significant? Well, the Passover right, lies right at the heart of the Jewish nation. The Passover is how the Jews became a nation. Remember the story? Excuse me. They're slaves in Egypt. God rescues them through Moses. You've seen the cartoon. Okay? Right? Is it Prince of Egypt, that one? No. God rescues them. He sends ten plagues. Some scholars believe each plague deals with a different Egyptian God. But the final plague, when Pharaoh said, yes, you can go, no, you can't, yes, you can, 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 no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. He says, I'll take the firstborn. I'll take the firstborn of every family in Egypt. But for the Hebrews, take a lamb without blemish and sacrifice the lamb. And take the blood of the lamb and paste the blood of the lamb over your door and eat the flesh of the lamb. And when the angel of death comes, death will pass over your family and you will be set free. And a nation is born. And Josiah knew that they were not a nation because of the temple or because of the law. They were a nation because of the death of the Passover lamb. They were a nation because of the grace of God. They were a nation because they weren't a people and God made them a people. They were a nation because they were held captive in slavery and God rescued them from themselves and brought them into a kingdom. 
it was the grace of God. And we must remember that. Yeah, we need to be ruthless with sin. We need to seek God for ourselves. We need to be big time, wow, worshippers. But we must remember that it's the death of the Lamb. John said when he looked at Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You'll have days when sin gets the better of you. You'll have days when you're better at judging others than judging yourself. You'll have days where all that stuff that's happened catches you out. You'll have days where you don't want to want to worship. But you'll never have a day when the grace of God is not sufficient. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I pray for this people. Lord, I thank you that this church has grown under Matt's leadership, but under your hand. And I pray for great things. Thank you for great people. Thank you for a great building. Thank you for a great city. But I pray for great kingdom adventures. Would you do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine? And all the people said, Amen. Amen.